0: Welcome back. Let's begin with prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Heavenly Father, glorious God, we love you and thank you and praise you for who you are and all that you've done for us. And Lord, I ask that you would truly give us the blessings we need to be opened to receive your word. Lord, give us the grace to recognize that your word is knocking on the door of our hearts. Holy God, we do love you. We do honor you and praise you. Lord, I ask you to bless Carrie, bless me, bless this program, and all those who listen, that as we enter into uh, the final week of the liturgical year, that we would honor you as king and welcome you as king in our lives. And we make this prayer in Jesus' holy name. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, Kerry, I'm excited. I'm excited because... We don't have an outline. Is that, is that a new thing for us? Oh, yes. I, actually, is... it's not new. We've had outlines, we just didn't really honor them uh, in terms of how quickly we go through things and all that. So this is a keeping It Real program.
1: Uh, okay. <laughs> you gonna go with that? I am, I am, I'm gonna go with a hot cup of tea.
0: Nice, I have one too, with some foam in it. I gotta tell you, this is like, this is primo gift territory right? Like, I don't know, you gave me that gift. I, I was, it was from
1: your mother in law, the Fomer. Oh, was it really? Well, she bought oh, wow. us actually. A, oh.
0: And for Christine, Christine, who visited. I love Christine, your sister who came and visited us. It was great <laughs> to have Christine here.
1: We were debating on whether or not to have her on the radio. I yeah. said that would be fun for her. But you gave it a thumbs. Sideways.
0: I what you're throwing me under the bus, Christine. Do <laughs> not listen to her. Christine is, is special, and a, a great gift of God to us in our lives. And it was wonderful to be able to have her here. Uh, she missed her mom. She so she's back home with her mom we, uh, on in Tacoma. So God bless them. And but what a gift. Um, so I finally got around to opening my gifts. Uh, I, I, that's not my love language.
1: My love language is gifts. It took me. Twenty years to figure that out. Uh, yeah, I think you opened them like five days late. But well, and I only opened them because like
0: Liliana, our youngest, brought them to me and said, "Dad, aren't you going to open your gifts?" <laughs> I, I don't know if I was just like waiting. That's such
1: an impact I don't on know you. if I was
0: just like waiting for like, hey, aren't we going to kind of like gather everyone around and have me like open them in a ritual kind of fashion?
1: Do we want to create we... an
0: event out of it? <sighs> that didn't happen. It did not. I got, got crowded right out. There's a wound Tom, here. I think there's a wound we already here. Already went through this. <laughs> why your birthday was what it was. I don't remember why, but the, oh, it was
1: like all these tournaments and things, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And that's right. And then Sunday, Ariana had to work, and right. we had people over, and we eventually got to one gift that we all wanted to use. Oh, then... that's why we
0: chose that gift. Oh, <laughs> I don't it, it know. It benefited the whole family.
1: Try it out, and then. A couple of days later you opened up the teapot. I don't even know what it's called, but it's that hot. It's
0: um yeah, it's like a sort of like a hot plate concept, but I never re- and it's the same concept that's used in the in the um steamer. That little like it steams milk. Um it's like a a coil, right? It's called co- a coil. So somehow it's using electricity to heat up water or milk really really fast. I mean, I'm stunned at how quickly it will heat up. Um, like a a a, um, a whole kettle of water, really. It's amazing, and it looks cool too. It starts as a red
1: light. It's at Costco. $10 Costco $10 there you go. Costco gift. We'll look it up. Yeah, <laughs> but if you have if you well, you would wait for five, six, seven minutes for the tea to boil on our stove, and I'd be like, why didn't you just put it in the microwave? It's like a minute. Yeah,
0: so I think that um, I, I would always debate, like if I like because I would be thinking about time. And I would think about cost and I think about quality. So it's the quality triangle. And oh, now listen, <laughs> this actually goes through my head.
1: That's no, good to know. I would like to know your thoughts.
0: Yeah, this is how I live, right? I think about this quality triangle. You, you, live... can't, you can't have all three. You got to pick two. So I think that the water heated on the stove is healthier than water heated in a microwave.
1: And did you verify that?
0: It's just my gut. Okay. So us well, just stop here's right the there. There's questioner. That's good. That's <laughs> good. Don't wound me. Don't down. stop. So I <laughs> don't I just have me. this Well, you hear things, you hear about microwaves don't always have good effects on things, right? Like there's certain things you don't put in the microwave, right? Um you don't put plastics in cuz it'll release some kind of poison and
1: cats, you, you don't put cats in the microwave or right, metal. Right. Now,
0: you are just taking this in the wrong direction, okay?
1: It just, so It's oh, made a, to heat Things up, yeah. But quickly. even so,
0: I just think that I, my gut, my gut, my intuition <laughs> sounds like a man's
1: intuition—tells
0: me like- that he, water heated up in the microwave is probably not as healthy and won't get as hot as water on the stove. Okay, on the stovetop, right? So the pr- the problem is, is that it takes longer, and it, um, but it gets it hotter. And it, uh, it takes longer if I put in cold water. So that's where the dollars come in.
1: Because I don't I know would, if you're making any scientific sense there. No, listen.
0: No, no, no. no. It does. Because what happens is
1: I will turn on the water. Okay. And then you let that it's cold, heat up. And cold. And I so let that get that hot. Takes that takes electricity. It, no, it costs, that also costs money and waste of water. I, yeah, I don't know exactly. where... <laughs>
0: Your logic. Right. So you're just. No, that's where I. That's where I'm bringing in the cost, right? So if I, if I, like, if I want to get the highest quality water, it's going to come from the stove, all right. I uh, the hot, like hot <laughs> quality water, it has to come on the stove rather than the microwave. It won't get hot enough from the from the faucet. So, but it's going to take time for the water in the faucet to heat up. So that's a waste of water, and it costs money to heat up water. So. All in all, when I consider all the goods, I think that heating it up on the stove is the it, it achieves the maximum good that I can get when I make tea. I'm so Not glad we anymore. got you
1: a tea, a new tea kettle. We
0: have solved electric. We have solved that
1: problem. I have solved that for you. Thank you. This is painful. Every time I'd walk in the kitchen, you'd be making tea, and I would see the blue flame going the the stove up to whatever highest it could go. And I'm like, that's like taking seven minutes to heat water. Why don't you just...
0: <laughs>
1: you now you can just turn you on the why. kettle. Okay, I just heard your quality right. triangle. Exactly why. Quality triangle I'm is applied thinking, to tea. All right. Oh, how we live in our thoughts, how we hold on to our ways of seeing things. And this is not like a moral issue. This is just these idiosyncrasies, you know, are you're a chatterbox. Are you someone who's quiet? Do you like boisterous, fun outings, or are you one who likes to sit peacefully home and read and contemplate and share? And Yes. I mean, God makes us <laughs> so different, which is wonderful. We compliment each other. But I just remember my parents arguing about the dumbest of things in their retirement years when we lived with them for that year, Tom, before we had children. And I just thought, will I be like that when I get to be their age? And I see us turning into that. But at least we can laugh. And I think that's something that my parents taught me they would always argue about dumb things and then they'd laugh and they would make some joke and they would just kind of not take themselves the situation with such seriousness and um i don't know it was, it was actually kind of fun to see how they would get through that storm and you know as we talk about thoughts tom there is a way in which um there's a way of being together and allowing stuff to come up and allowing stuff to become real and messy and hard and to push through that, and how how do you find God in the midst of that, and healing us, and not even just healing? How about just being together, and wanting truth and light to be sh- to shine into that space? Yeah,
0: one of the here, here's you're talking about the theme of speech, the the theme of communicating, the theme of words, and how we speak to each other. It takes root. It actually. It, it doesn't just, like, go from my mouth to your ears. No, it ends up planting itself in your, in your brain, in your mind, and in your heart. And that, that's, a, that's, a, um, that's how God made us. This is an incarnational way, in the flesh way, of recognizing just a really important truth. How we talk is going to take flesh. These word like the word became flesh and dwelt among us. The words that we speak to each other, take flesh in each other's lives. And I really don't believe that we appreciate, you know, we're cognizant of, I mean, we're really not cognizant of, and um, treat with as much reverence as we ought the words that we speak to each other. And as a result of that, there's real loss.
1: I think that in this last couple days, I've had this huge conviction of, Not so much the words I speak, but where do my words come from? They come from my thoughts. And so as I see you there with the teapot turning on the stove, what are my thoughts about my husband as he's doing this, which bothers me or it makes no sense or I want to point it out. I can't just like delete, edit, don't say anything. And the little things that we live with, with each other, and the thoughts that, capture my mind or that go through my mind, how are they edifying and uplifting and how do they um, tear down or demoralize or rebuke? And I, there's, you know, things in my mind that I just don't say to you, but still, if they're negative thoughts or the thoughts that are not uplifting, it affects me. And I even feel like it affects you to an extent. But once those thoughts take root, then they become speech and then it becomes action. I mean, they follow each other and I was watching an NDE. No. Yes. Do you know what an NDE is? Uh, non-destructive
0: evaluation. <laughs> it's a scientific process used in um, materials research.
1: Very good. Near-death experience. Oh,
0: yeah, that too. <laughs> yes. <laughs>
1: um, my sister sent it to me. And the reason I'm thinking about thoughts is she, in her experience, in her encounter with I Am, who, when she encountered the Lord... Um, gave her a, a download of, of thoughts and how that was so harmful, and he kind of rebuked her, but not in a, a destructive way. Just more like, "Do you realize the power of your thoughts and how how impactful it is? The way you think about others, and then how that can take root, and then you can talk about them, and then you you act on it." And I know we say in our our creed or in the um, when we we pray the. Tell them what is it we pray and we v- gloria, forgive us our the sins? Creed, no, the com- yes.
0: The I confess in my
1: thoughts and in my words. Yep. And when I done and what I failed to do, and the conviction of my thoughts and what I have failed to do just really took hold of me in the last couple of days. And so in this tea kettle situation, it's just an example. I was it just kind of came different to example.
0: me. So I don't do you ever do this? Like when I see someone, like let's imagine I'm um walking down the street. And there is a person in need, like a a person who's probably homeless um, and just is visibly not attractive, right? They maybe are smelly, they are broken, they're dirty, etc. And as I approach them, as I am walking towards them, what goes through my mind, thoughts, is if that were Jesus or the Blessed Mother, That's where I go. If it's a man or a woman, what would I do? I would, of course, stop say hello. And I would be at that I would be at the Lord's attention as long as I possibly could. And then, okay, let's take away Jesus and the blessed mother. What if it was like a famous athlete and a famous model? Right? And may, am I stereotyping men and women here? <laughs> a famous actress. Okay. So, um, a beautiful actress. If it was someone, and I'm contrasting here beauty with ugliness, like uh, fame versus like uh, a repulsion. And say, so take the most famous and the most attractive versus the person who's the most unknown, broken, and repulsive. And just say, if it were them, what would I do? And it, my thoughts impact my my speech and my actions i would go to them and i would be with them and i would and it's like what if we were able to translate thinking into action what if we were really able to say live out your convictions would would be living very different lives
1: yes yes and i am convicted of that and i feel like um there's so many opportunities not just when we we're driving around but in my own home, it's like the simple things of encountering my son or daughter who makes a mess, or who didn't finish their paper, or forgot to take care of something that I need to help them with. And it's just these little thoughts of why didn't you take care of that? You really wasted your time, you know. These little thoughts of, of about them, judgments, condemnations. That that I don't say these things usually. <laughs> Sometimes they slip out, but I'm like. How do you reframe that? How do you look at that son or daughter and say, "What a gift! I'm so glad I get to do your laundry. I'm so glad that you get to go to this, be on this amazing team, and I'm so happy that they have these darling little uniforms that I get to wash and hang dry." <laughs> I mean, you can. So I'll be honest with you, I don't really do that that often. <sighs> you see, you're just the same.
0: No, no, no. I I've got other things that I in do. your mind. In my mind, I don't. When you're taking condemn care of my your... Kids.
1: in your mind, you don't like get frustrated when they fill in the blank. You yeah. never get frustrated with your kids when there's a mess. No, my wife. <laughs>
0: I, I'm the no, cleaner listen, of I the mess. I get frustrated with how my wife gets frustrated <laughs> oh. with my kids. <laughs> True. It's a meta frustration. Okay. <laughs> True up against a break. Back in a minute. Welcome back to the program. This is Tom Kern. It's great to be with you. We would love to hear from you as well, but not judging thoughts. Okay, I'm just happy thoughts. No, I'm just kidding. Love to get your feedback. You can go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org. You can get free digital downloads, resources just for you. That would be listening, video, and eBooks all for free. Uh, and so mycatholicfaith.org, you can also get in touch with us. You'll have a contact form there and we do respond to those who reach out to us. So I'd love to hear from you. You can also subscribe to our podcast, you can click on the button there and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. You can also listen to these programs after the fact and share them with others. Kerry, just before the break we were talking about you were kind of sharing very authentically about how you fail in your thoughts and sin by being judgmental. Was that what it was?
1: Yes, my honey. Should we
0: proceed? <laughs> Should we kind of replay that section again? No, you you were saying something again. It was um it was it was pow- powerful because it was, you know, very was very real and that it's easy to look at kids where they're stumbling, falling, f- selling, settling for less in thoughts, words, and deeds, and attitudes, behaviors. And it's like, um, you're saying that your first natural reaction is to approach them with a with an eye that is critiquing.
1: We need to actually go back and play that because that's not actually what I said. <laughs> no, uh, no I, I will put up with it for a while. I'm like, oh, that must be hard. I feel bad. Like they're struggling to get out the door on time. I feel bad. Cause I know that pressure of feeling like I'm not prepared or I didn't have my stuff ready. But when that happens the third time, or the fourth time, then I get a little like, can you not figure out how to do this? Why are you not fill in the blank? And I mean, I generally feel like I have lived in seasons or in spaces where I would be easily irritated by somebody or someone. I do feel like I give space to people and let them be who they are and, Love them and accept them. But then I get in these tired, irritable moods or pressures on for some, some event, typically for doing an event or having people over, or I'm short or I didn't get a lot of sleep. Then I just get this negative, like grumpy attitude of, well, Why didn't you do that? Well, why did it? Uh, you know, you, you experienced it firsthand many times, honey. <laughs> and I don't, I'm just saying, I don't really guard my thoughts. Now, I was thinking thoughts about like maybe a coach or a teacher or a neighbor that I just kind of get bothered by. Like when I see them, I'm like, ugh. Or when I think of, why did the coach do that? It's just so bothersome. I just, oh, it's like, you know, this negativity of thoughts. And it's not like I'm not allowed to have negative thoughts, but I just don't feel like that's a healthy way or a a place to be or to stay. And I, I guess just the awareness is coming to me like, oh, I actually have thoughts about situations that are really not helpful to my own soul and I think finally when you are put upon by me when I come to you with an issue or a problem or a situation in the home or in a relationship and I kind of just blah to you about whatever's going on I don't feel like it's helpful to you it brings you down it puts negativity on you I'm not solving the problem by doing that and I just feel like I need to be more accountable <laughs> to my thought life. I feel like, okay, if I get some great scriptures or I see it differently or if I'm able to get new insight into how thoughts can affect us, affect me personally, then I can grow through it. It's a space where I just want to grow through it because it's suffering to go into that space. It's hard to feel that way. I'm sorry. If I sound like a, no, we're in a therapy I, session, I, I, but... So it's... I'm
0: glad. to Just keep, keep getting it out <laughs> into the open. I, I, what I like, though, is that um, the most helpful distinction I found is this idea that life in time is a journey. And as a journey, there's that point of departure. There's the current reality. It's where you're at. And it's where you're headed. And those are related to three different ways of loving. Did you hear that? Three, it's love showing up in a threefold form. Okay. And the threefold form is loving from the point of origin, loving from the point of current reality, and loving from the point of arrival. And I use three words, support, encourage, and hold accountable. Support, encourage, accountability. And those are three different ways of relating in love to someone else. And when it comes to the kid who, for the third day in a row, doesn't have his backpack ready and his shoes on and his hair's a mess and he doesn't have his lunch and his stuff and he's not tucked in and uh, and it's just like, how did this happen again, right? Support, encourage, and accountability. It's, I go before you, I'm with you, and I've got your back. And you are talking from the, I go before you. When you, I go before you, it's, I uphold the standard and I measure where you're at Against where you ought to be, where you ought to be headed, how you ought to be living. So it's it's living in the ought, it's living in the ideal, because you're falling short in comparison to the ideal, and that's where that speech is coming from. I tend to live in the I'm with you, and I've got your back.
1: I, I'm making the lunch. I'm washing the clothes. i ironing the shirts. I, I'm I'm with them yeah, too, honey. There you go. Oh I'm sorry. You're <laughs> like the hero husband here he I... is working while I'm getting all the kids out the door.
0: Okay, <laughs> you not therapy at... again. are oh, you're at mass while Did I'm I getting like all this? the kids I... out the door. Yeah. No, it's funny because um it's love. It's loving. It's loving to uphold a standard and say live out according to the standard. And you're saying that it you can see that if that's all that happens then the, it 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 brings hurt.
1: Yeah, and I I guess I want to launch this in a whole different direction. I'm not really even talking, I I mean, I kind of minimalized thoughts to you and the kids, which is really not, it's more the evil neighbor. (laughs) It's the awful person on social media. It's the the article I read where I'm like, who is this leftist whatever that's writing this stuff? It's more this just um, discontent with society or with other people. And so then it's like, How do you, those are the thoughts that are more impactful to me, where they leave me very disheartened. Yeah, or anxious. Or anxious. Or angry and frustrated. And I don't want to be in that space. And I know like Thanksgiving is coming up and we're with family members and there's a lot of stress and turmoil among different mandates going out and expectations. And I just, it breaks my heart to see families pulled apart. And I've been in the midst of that where I'm like, I'm not going to do that. And why do you make me do that? And this is just so dumb. And you know, my own pride, my own ego, my own sense of what's fair and what's just. And it's just not loving at all, and it's not being Christ-like at all. And I I don't like that witness. I don't like that there's a certain, you know, name you get for being a way that's really not Christ-like. Um, so I think that's part of it. It's more of those harder issues that I'm dealing with within, within me. I think the little things I get bothered with is just you know those are almost like you just push them aside but there is actually in families long harbored hurt pain unforgiveness where one is trapped where one is embittered where one can just not see the light and cannot find a way out and it's harming that person more than actually the other person that's causing the harm and you and I've been in situations with family members where you know we go round and round and round about how dare they and why would they think this and this is just and all this blame and and accusations, which most of, most of it is not even real. <laughs> like when we really find out what's going on, it's like, oh my goodness, we're so dumb.
0: <laughs> well, and what we feel it's most dumb about is like, like, why do we give so much time and energy in <laughs> the life of our mind, right? When you just, give the life of your mind over to it, it impacts your feelings and, and your emotions, yes. your passions.
1: <laughs> and it's just like dumb communication stuff that, you know, you keep to the, the catechism, don't assume the wrong intentions. Don't like, I qu- I'm so quick to blame in stupid situations. It's like, what is wrong with me? Um. Anyhow, I I think that your thoughts can go in all sorts of directions, Tom. I don't know, regarding how you uplift your mind and bring your heart and mind out into God and to connect it to a life-giving source. I think that's where we should focus.
0: Yeah, I I love that. And so I think the simplest way of realizing it is in the scriptures. Jesus says in Revelation chapter 3, he says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Right. Jesus is the Word of God. Jesus is the light of the world. And, um, and when you open a door, you're letting in light. It, the light comes into the darkness and dispels it. So I think one of the most important steps or realizations to make and steps to take is the realization that says, I'm not my own source of light. I have to receive light into my darkness. yes and light dispels it. It it reveals its nothingness, because darkness is nothing. Darkness is a lack of something. Oh, I like that. Yeah, I just made that up. That was so, so yeah. (laughs) You see, I've enlightened you. Yeah, no. (laughs) So it's a a privation, it's a lack. And so um, the question becomes, what are we doing to allow God's light to enter our darkness? To allow God's word to come in and cleanse, transform, and I want to say, just sever us from the bondage to other words that have taken hold in our lives.
1: Have you encountered that recently in your own reading, morning prayer? Absolutely. Yeah. It's
0: um, I, I've been inspired in the last week on on the program to give um, like daily teachings about prayer life and the importance of your prayer life. And how um, it's a teaching that, we just don't get a lot of teachings on like, how do you actually develop a personal prayer time? Not just the practical things, plan a time and a space, but rather, well, how do you pray these fundamental types of prayer? How do you pray praise and thanks? And I've been doing intercession. Uh, I, I did two programs on intercession, I didn't finish it. So I've got more to say, but some of the more that was left, was connected to um, what traditionally is called Lexio Divina. And so um, it, it, it really has to do with letting God's word come into your heart. So yeah. I, I'm happy to give examples of that. But I think that you also, I remember like earlier today, you were like, Tom, I just was listening, you, you were referring to a couple of different, I don't know if they were both books or online, <clears throat> but they were really striking to you. And it was like providing you with some guidance around this.
1: Well, when I was listening to this silly NDE near-death experience by this lady named Penny Whitbrod, you can look it up. I don't know if it's like, there's like a whole channel with all sorts of people's stories. And her name's Penny Whitbrod. I guess you can look it up that way. Her story was actually very well done. You know, all near-death experiences get a little weird. Like they get a little out of the comfortable faith box of, our creed and our beliefs because it's talking about sources and light and (laughs) I think she mentions the life before (laughs) I'm like what (laughs) and it's hard for Christians to stomach theologically what's going on and I know when we had our friend our neighbor have this experience he just said so many of his boxes were blown apart the boxes that we put God in and the restriction and and the constriction of how we think God is and how he sees us and how our life here and how it impacts our life later. And so I, I get a little bit theologically confused. It's not the right word. I get challenged, but um, after I listened to her story, and then I went and read father Jacques book. It was perfectly aligned with forgiveness and healing and generosity and, but his... And just to say, was the point that... So good what he had to say, though. When you receive healing,
0: your mind is set free? Or when you forgive, your mind is healed and set free? Or both? Um, like, what was the connection between healing and freedom in your thinking? I know I'm asking a very specific question, but that's where my mind goes. Because I know yeah. that my mind needs to be healed of certain patterns of behavior. Like, like that's what light will do. Like How does light actually overcome the darkness it doesn't just drive it out it also has to do things like kill weeds or kill mold like mold grows in the dark right
1: well uh, okay so she's talking about how you have these negative thoughts towards people like people that really deserve it that are really dark and she had some pretty bad people in her life and she she was expecting when she had her judgment or when she got uh, encountered the i am the uh, god and she was a christian woman uh christian background She's not that he would point out all the things that she did wrong or all the ways that she failed or all the things that, you know, she, you know, just blatant moral, mortal sins or something like that. But it was more he said what's really what she was really struck by was all the things that she does regularly. And it was in her thoughts and how she thinks about people. So that's when I started to look into and pray about that. And it was very convicting to hear what she said. But, it's a, you know, it's a whole thing of negative thoughts Um, attack others and there's energy and energy (laughs) is absorbed. So it gets kind of goofy. But the bottom line is um, when you forgive others, it frees others and it frees yourself. When you hold on to darkness towards others, it darkens yourself. And so I'm thinking of the people that I'm irritated with is probably more the social media, what's happening in our country. And that is leaving me without peace and I want to pray and I want to be set free and I want to know God's in control and that he he doesn't want us to be angry or anxious over all that we're encountering day to day so I think that's where I was going what I
0: think of is paragraph 2853 of the catechism and paragraph 2853 says uh in
1: (laughs) Are you showing
0: off? <laughs> I am showing off. I'm flexing here since <laughs> okay. I didn't know you were going to go here, and I don't have my catechism. Okay, but it's um, it's that the um, we do not have the power to forget or forgive those uh, the sins of others, the sins that, that others have committed against us. True. But the Holy Spirit has the power to heal our hearts and to purify our memories and turn even hurt into intercession. How powerful is that? That's so powerful. It's like what we can't do on our own, we can't forget or forgive those who have sinned against us. Yeah. Right? It, it's only the Holy Spirit who can do it, but we can ask the Holy Spirit to, to come in and, and be released in our hearts and to, fr- to purify. There it is, purifying the memories.
1: Father Jacques says when you foster resentment towards someone, you can't stop thinking about them, and then you're filled with these negative feelings that absorb a large part of your energy. And so there's this, like, quote-unquote, investment in that relationship that does not leave us available, like psychologically, spiritually, for what we should be focusing on or concentrating on. So do you think of all the times there, that my mind is occupied by stuff that just should not be occupied with? Yeah.
0: I, absolutely. I've got a good example of it. It's it's powerful and, and disturbing. And I'll tell it in a minute on Sound Insight. Welcome back to Sound Insight. This is Tom Curran. And um, reflecting on the power of words, and, and Jesus is the word of God and how this word wants to take flesh in us. And part of what will happen is we welcome God's word into our lives and we ask the Holy Spirit to be released in our minds and our hearts is that we can be set free from bondage that happens, not only of our own making, not only that we've just generated on our own, but when we're the victims of other people's sins. And so I've encountered time and time again when people have been hurt by others. They've been betrayed, especially in marriages, or they've been hurt in language and speech. Like, like think of our teenagers, how they have a hard time overcoming like, uh. The the, uh, bickering, right? When the hurtful things are said. And then it turns into hurtful glares and glances. And then it's hurtful chatter. And then all of a sudden it's like, what was a beautiful free relationship just goes south. And it's like, no, God has to come in there and bring forgiveness. Because until forgiveness comes, until we can forgive, say, I forgive you, we ourselves are still bound up. And so the person who hurt us continues to hurt us because we refuse to forgive, And I know that's so hard because forgiveness doesn't mean you re-enter the relationship. Forgiveness doesn't mean that you make pretend it didn't happen. Forgiveness doesn't mean that people get off the hook from having to make up for what they've done. No, none of those things are true. But forgiveness is an act that the Lord calls forth from us in part so that we ourselves are healed. Not only, but part of it is that we ourselves will be healed.
1: Yes. I think, Well, and again, one of my favorite passages is from, I think it's Luke 6. It's where it talks about forgiveness and do good to those who hurt you. And But he goes on, he, it's like, and even God our Father, the Most High, he's kind to the ungrateful and the selfish. And just seeing how loving and kind God is to me, I'm selfish, I can be ungrateful. Um, you it's don't remember the so story,
0: but cool. I was criticizing a guy I was helping in ministry. I told the story on the radio a couple of days ago. Oh, you did. Yeah, early on in our marriage, and I was helping this guy trying to grow his ministry. I get back and I was like, I spent all these hours, and and you know he just doesn't get it, and he's not, you know, and, and you said you just stop criticizing him and start praying for him. You don't remember? Well, that. Oh, yeah, that sounds like me. Yeah. That sounds like <laughs> <laughs> and when I did, I started complaining to God. Oh Lord, bless this guy because Lord, he doesn't get it and he's not and then I just said, Lord, he's not appreciative. I'm giving him all this time. And then the Lord said, How do you like it? <laughs> and I'm like, Oh, that's <laughs> not very helpful, Lord. Thank I love you. when God does that. Yeah. Just
1: because it's such a great slide. it's like a it's like a ice cold um bucket ice of bucket water challenge, yes. right? right on you. And but it's so great because you know God loves you so much. It's good. Yes. Uh so yeah, the story that was That
0: was it. Well the the story oh. I was gonna say was a a woman um, one of my mom's friends that was in a abusive marriage. And she could not, would not forgive. And it was a decade later. And she was so bitter and angry 10 years later. And I just, I tried to get through to her. And I think I said, it's like, do you realize he's still hurting you? Because you won't let go. You won't forgive. And she could not do it. Yeah, I mean, and, those, and I was so sad.
1: And those are awful terrible. It's terrible. I've not had to encounter that kind of, that's never been required or asked of me. But there are things that are asked of me that are different. My story and my life is different and not better, but I feel like we all have different challenges that are put in front of us. And to say, God, how can you work in this space? So anyhow, where do you want to go?
0: Well, you wanted to share about um, some scriptures. This is the last week of the liturgical year is on Sunday is Christ the King the Feast of Christ the King. And what that, um, what that is, um, I'm sorry, I've just thought of this funny story. So right around (laughs) this time, (laughs) hold on. Your thoughts. My thoughts took me into a different direction. So when I was at the North American college in Rome, my first year, the third year in, in the seminary, first year in Rome in the seminary, um, we had a whole series of events out on the field, um, like a football game and, and things like that. And, um, and these guys would—they uh, would have a make pretend radio station going, and so they would have on interviews that were really funny, and and then they had on a commercial. Now, it was right around the Feast of Christ the King, and uh, and the commercial came out and said, "And this show has been brought to you by, uh, uh, brought to you in honor of the Feast of Christ the Ruler, sponsored by the Liturgical Committee for uh, Inclusive Language." I don't
1: get it, <laughs> but I'm just going to laugh. <laughs>
0: Christ the King identifies the him ruler. as male. Okay. So Christ the Ruler is making it gender sensitive, oh, okay. gender inclusive. Even back
1: then, that was like thirty years ago.
0: Yes, that was. It was like in nineteen eighty-seven okay. that it happened. Do you and
1: remember I, this language? I this just punk? remember. I just
0: remember laughing so much. I'm like, how clever are these guys who came up with oh, this, okay. uh, like, commercial during the show? I just thought that was a kick. So, uh, but it's the feast on Sunday, and so. It's traditional at this time of year to focus on death, judgment, heaven, and hell. And so, um, I think that you were talking to me about certain passages of scripture that emphasize Christ as
1: King coming to judge. And, um, anyways, so I just I'll pause. There. Well, you know, I uh, <laughs> another part of this NDE near death experience. She was talking about um, something I wanted to just find in scripture how that spoke to me. Um, she was just saying like our definition of what's good and bad is different. So when God was showing her what was good to us, everything that is good, considered good as an easy life, a nice life, nothing's wrong. There's peace. It's going along smoothly. And she was in a broken relationship and she said, but spiritually, God was showing her that good is forward motion, no matter how awful it feels. How grief-stricken you are! How much suffering, how much struggle you encounter! This forward motion of not giving up, of working through the pain, of working through the difficulty, and you know, even when the circumstances are terrible and there's a lot of resistance, it's that you're moving through it. And the day she just <laughs>
0: says that reminds me of the of the Paschal Mystery, yes. which is the mystery of Christ's passion, death. And resurrection. Well, I
1: don't think she ever associated that. She just said that this is how God was teaching her. Yeah, and that makes sense. But then she said, "You know what? The word, you know, the bad day or the day that you really start to fall apart is when you are sitting in your recliner chair and you stop interacting with others in the world, and you just want the easy, comfortable life." That's bad. Even though nothing bad is happening, you're not like doing a mortal sin, or you're not um, doing horrible things to people. You're just sitting there, not contributing, and you're you're not here to live a sedentary life, you know. But we're actually here to. We're called to earth to have an effect on others. And event, immediately, I thought of the this, this Gospel of. Um, the parable of it wasn't it wasn't the talents; it was the goats and the shepherds, or the goats and the sheep.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, Matthew twenty five <laughs> thirty one. The shepherds said too, and so I go out to read the whole chapter though, because you know you look on your phone, you just type in the goats and the sheep, and it gives you the whole book, the whole chapter. And so I'll just start from the beginning, and then it's all about the talents, and it's about no the ladies, those who had oils in their lamp, and those who didn't. So the those who were not prepared and didn't take time and didn't work. To contribute, they just wanted everyone else to serve them and help them. Then the next section in that is the talents—the one who has ten talents, five and one or two—and the the last guy who goes and buries his talents and is afraid and doesn't do anything with what God's given him. And then the last one is kind of what you were referring to earlier. I see when I see a poor person or someone who's smelly on the side of the street, I think of is this Jesus? Is this Mm -hmm. is this Mother Teresa? And I just felt like when I read that whole chapter, I go, "That is." such gospel living and then i'm like okay if this is the gospel how are we embracing this how are we living this and i'm like i'm like i'm like we're kids and i No, are. it's
0: actually very good carrie because um you've drawn attention to something that um the one of the ways of understanding like what appears in the scripture and like the order it appears in when it appears how something is, t- is said. Um, is very relevant here because the Gospel of Matthew, one of the themes present in the community that Matthew was writing to was that they were a Jewish community that had converted to Christianity. And there were still members of the community that hadn't converted. So that's a big theme in the Gospel of Matthew. You'll see a lot of references to the law and Jesus is the fulfillment of the law, and Jesus is highly critical of the, sad, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, of the Jewish leaders. But one of the other themes is um, that those who believed were just hanging around, just experiencing sort of, hey, we, we accepted Christ, we're members of the, the church, the community of faith, and we've arrived. We don't have to do things. And so, what this gospel is highlighting in those three parables in different ways is that faith works. Faith is expected to be moved into action. And if your faith isn't in action, it's not a living faith, and you will be judged for how you take action. So, And you see that in all the parables. The guy who buries the talent, you've got the talent. You've got it. What are you waiting for, right? You've got the gift of your faith in Christ. And if the only thing you're doing with that faith in Christ is enjoying the benefits, saying, wow, thank you, God, I believe in you. I believe in a meaningful way of living life. I have access to the comfort of the sacraments of being forgiven of my sins. And we can pray together behind our walls. And that's all we're doing with our faith. We're burying a talent. We're meant to do more so that it's fruitfully used by God. And then you see that showing up differently in the other two parables. In what way? I'll tell you in a minute on Sound Insight, and then we can come back to you, Carrie, to see what you think about this. Welcome back to the program. So, Carrie, the, um, so that's sort of the theology. The theology is that these, these parables um, written by Matthew to the community uh, are meant to highlight stewardship like when we get to the one that is on the talents and the buried talents right you have they all are given the same thing the one talent and some come back two and five and then 10 and you remember the one that comes back with 10 is given 10 cities as the reward do you remember how we like let that impact our lives for a year i prayed lord please give us a 10 cities life i want to live a 10 cities life and um we I prayed that for a year. And because that, that's a life that says, all that I am, all that I have, all the time that I spend, when I wake up in the morning, it's like my primary concern is, Lord, will today I honor you. Will I be fruitfully used by you today? That for me is so different than being productive. Being productive, you're getting results, you're getting stuff done. No, fruitfully used by God might mean. Being willing to be humbled, humiliated, to suffer, to die to self, to give up something, to forego something, to ask forgiveness from someone, to repent of something. Those are all ways that we enter the purifying fire that can yield spiritual benefits and blessings to others. So Lord, I don't know what form it's going to take today, but I want to live a 10 cities life.
1: So what form did it take today? You were purified?
0: Uh, You're I didn't, saying. I, I, I said, Lord, today I uh, want a two cities life. Two cities so, so I said, I got to take a nap. I didn't, <laughs> <'Cause> I did. <laughs> I got a nap in. So, but maybe it's kind of making me want to like to do that, that live that 10 cities life. Uh, but you know, how many times have I been using the theme of no half measures? Um, I in fact, it's, it's, it's a new twist on the theme of talents. I've been saying to some men, um, in our community out here. Guys, I I'm just get this conviction that if the Lord has given us these gifts, they're not only for us, but they're for others. But we're going to be asked to give of our giftings in ways that are not normal. They're not the typical ways of giving. And I saw one up here. I got an email a couple days ago from, um, from, a guy that someone told me about, a guy named Eric Sammons. He is like an editor for a journal and um, uh, and a professor. He was involved in some initiative that um, was connected to Archbishop Schneider, this International Marian Foundation thing that wrote up the letters for the COVID vaccination stuff. Um, and uh, in it, they're founding a um, nonprofit fund to support families who have lost jobs as a result of the vaccine mandate. That they've said no to the vaccine, lost to their jobs, and now are vulnerable in terms of how am I going to provide for my family? And so they're saying to people, will you give money to this fund and we will, we will share it with families who are in need? Because of this. And I'm like, that's exactly the kind of thing that I'm talking about.
1: Just uh, an extraordinary amount of supporting others. Well, I was... It's when working I, together. When I was reading the, um, the separation of the goat and the sheep, and it says, did you visit me when I was in prison? Or when I was, you know, widowed? Or when I was naked? And I just thought like, you no, know, I'm not going out to seek a prisoner. I'm not looking for the person that's not clothed. And I almost feel like the Lord... I'm almost like God's like, you need to go find those people. Like, you need to go find that person that needs my help because I can just live up on this hill and be very comfortable and enclosed. And I went on a website to find out about the immigrants that are coming across the border. And I'm like, I really, really want to go take in immigrants, either from Afghanistan or, you know, from down the border. So I looked up a couple of different organizations, but I just am like, here are these children that to no fault of their own are in poverty, are in desperate situations, are living in difficult countries where there's a lot of yada yada, You, everyone knows, just, well, we hear about it, I don't think we really know what it means, but just that sense of what would I do extraordinary today that would actually cause me difficulty and sacrifice and suffering and uncomfortability and all that, it would be trying to, you know, help those that are in such desperate need. It's not just, you know, giving money to the guy on the side of the road. Not that that's a bad thing because those things definitely bless and send forth kindness and love. But I just feel like, God, what are you asking of us? And and here's the thing. I
0: It's beautiful that you say that. Um, the challenge is that people who, who will pray that can just get overwhelmed because the need is so immense that... We can't do everything, so we end up doing nothing, well, or we just... don't know how to do anything because <laughs> we can't do everything, right? So it's hard to to find the one thing to do.
1: I don't know. I think that, and I also feel like if you're, if one's walking with Christ and seeking Him, that He opens and shows forth a plan. Well, I, thought, I thought God showed you someone.
0: <laughs> yes, I did. Well, no, you. There was like a a member of our school community that was impacted by COVID and just really yes. sick. And yes. I'm like, hey, why don't you go. Like, clean her house. I I know. I just. And help her out. I I actually was thinking of her. I was like, hey, we should go pray with her.
1: Yes. I actually like to go pray with her.
0: Yeah. Let's call her up
1: after. Let's go. I mean, like, literally, what
0: are we waiting for? Yeah. Um, That would really bless her. So, so I'm um, like, I, how's this impacting me right now? Like, I have basically decided that I'm foregoing any other consulting contracts. I'm just going to use those gifts to help families move here. And it's like, it's a different thing. It's a riskier thing. It's not something I've done this like in a small way for 20 years, but to now say, I'm going to use all these best gifts that I've been given instead of helping grow businesses and help owners of businesses. I'm going to help owners of families get here. And that means help them get connected, right? That I love that because that's a mission use. It's a right now mission use of gifting. And so you know, I, I'm also, I, I met with some guys this morning about starting a business that would generate revenue for families. It's like, I'm not trying to get wealthy. I'm trying to help families find sources of income so that they can somehow get through this.
1: Well, and I just felt God's blessed us so much. I am, I don't want to like, you and I just die right now. It's like, I've not left everything at his disposal. I haven't, maybe you have in your heart and mind, but I'm like, Lord, there's so much more that you're calling me and I, and maybe it's because I'm not home with a bunch of kids homeschooling them at this time and they're in a school. So I have this space to serve in a way that I don't know, but you're right, Tom, you can be like, do I make meals for these families? Do I bring gifts to the nursing home? Do I help with the the sisters on the streets? Do I take in orphans and people that have been misplaced? I mean, there is so many good opportunities to serve. I think it's just get up off the couch, off the recliner, and and do something that is hard that's difficult that causes some pain and uncomfort. not just being uncomfortable it's more me just resisting to be conquered you know
0: yeah yeah it definitely um it's definitely one of these challenging things where it's like god what do you want of us and and so it starts with the desire Right. The beautiful thing is though, the desire is on the heart of God. Yes. We don't have to like generate that desire. We just have to let the desire of his heart emerge in ours. Amen. And and that begins with a real sense of repentance and surrender. Like, Lord, I just I repent of the ways that my heart isn't surrendered to you, isn't yes. given over to you. And and Lord, you here's the thing. In the old testament, they cried out for God's judgment.
1: Lord, judge us. <laughs> They did. Stopped. Are you serious?
0: Yeah. Yeah. If you look at... Theme... I mean, because I've
1: seen all sorts of blessings from like lack of supplies coming through our, our our ports and the lack of this and lack... I'm like, finally, we can actually start taking life a little bit more seriously. And, and what really matters? I mean, I just feel like there's so many things that... Well, well yeah, being stripped away of cover. I, mean... I think that God is...
0: I mean, I think that God... I think that we are seeing more clearly what Mother Teresa meant, St. Teresa of Calcutta, when she said that the poverty of the Western world that was so materially rich and comfortable was a worse condition spiritually than the people that were outcasts near death that she picked up on the street. And it's like, do you want a like uh, if you could pick two spiritual conditions and you just described the two conditions and said, here are the two spiritual conditions. Do you want one that is going to make you more available to God, to receive God's love, to, to be in communion with God, to grow deeper in God? You want condition one or condition two? And you say, oh, my goodness, give me condition one that is going to lead me closer to God. And you're like, OK, you're now an outcast near death uh, with nobody to care for you on the streets of
1: Calcutta. Yeah, I just feel like our material wealth just makes never it feel that. like being a Christian or being Catholic is almost a hobby. Like, oh yeah, I'm a, you know, I go to church and... It's comfortable. It's just like, <laughs> that's my it's new hobby. I don't know. It,
0: well, I'll tell you. So there's a priest friend of ours, the priest who married us, Father Pat Smith. One of the things that he said was that he, um, he moved out of, like a rectory that he was in. Because he said that he did not want to live in a residence that, was, that would make his parishioners feel uncomfortable. Like, you're living in a level of luxury that we're not. And that was very striking. That was, very, that was a guy, that's a priest, a holy priest of God, who's like, I'm putting it out there. And I'm going to just say, Lord, I want my life to be reflective of yours and be attractive to others. It's like, that's the kind of all-in Just use my life to bear fruit for you. So, well, Carrie, we're at the end of our program. Okay. I hope your mind is healed. No judgment. (laughs) It's
1: snowing. I'm excited for the snow. All
0: right. Thank you all so much for listening. It's a blessing to be with you all. Join me on Monday for more sound insight. And don't forget, go to mycatholicfaith.org, mycatholicfaith.org to get access to these wonderful uh, podcasts, videos, and free downloads. God bless.